Three. Go! Hey! Hey! Hey, everybody. Hey. We got the whole crew from Maximum Threshold and in the pit here with drummer extraordinaire Jason Bittner. That's right. Of the mighty overkill. Of the mighty overkill. Before, Hi! Before this devolves, I don't know if you realize how... Big. Before this unravels, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> it already has. It has. We, we've had to calm down. I don't know if you under, realize how big Overkill is in Cleveland. I do realize how big Overkill is. Very popular. I've been an Overkill fan since 1985. I have every record. I have all the live records, which most of them were recorded right here. Yes. Very, very well aware of what oh, that's Cleveland right. brings. Can we start this over so I can introduce you as Sticks? <laughs> like Bobby said in Whatever the interview, you want to do, no, but Sticks is not my nickname anymore. My nickname is the Hitman now. That's, the that's, Hitman. He, he he had re-nicknamed me somewhere in Europe after that. Sticks is what he used to call me when I was a kid. I mean, he did. I mean, literally because he didn't know my name, but he knew he knew me because every time I'd be at Winners with Tim, he's hey Sticks, what's up? Is you it know? true that you used to bring your drum set, uh, sticks to Overkill show and yeah. like, wait there? And I would sit like, there with Tim. If Tim yeah. can't fucking go yep. tonight, I'm Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. I wait every day. Every time I went to a sound check, I'm like, can I play a song? Can I play a song? Can I play a song? Come on, let me play a song. Let me play a song. And who says dreams can't come true? That's right. A lot of my dreams have come true. I mean, <laughs> fuck it. Like, literally, if you told me when I was 16, 17 years old that I would play drums in Anthrax, Flotsam and Jetsam, and Overkill, I'm like, Really? Like, you know, years later down the road. Fucking awesome. You just mentioned three classic bands, Jason. Yeah. Why is it, do you think, not that there's a resurgence, there's a resurgence in, in thrash coming up now with, like, the new wave and the new school. Why do you think... I have two new nicknames, too, not to interrupt you. No, 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 no. We'll get back to that later. Go ahead. What do you think it is with the obsession with, like, the the crowd, I mean, just showing up and, and showing out for all, all these old school bands that are, are coming back and coming back to the forefront in thrash? I think it's fucking awesome to be honest with you and you know what I really think it is truthfully how how old are you 42 42 how old are you 40 40 40 You're 6 really and a half this is my hairline is old 51 51 alright so we're all, we're all I'm, I'm, I'll be 50 next year so we're all in that same category of age what I think it is is you all remember in the mid 90s when Everybody figured out, oh, it's not cool to listen to metal or go to metal shows anymore or whatever. And now music's changing and it went to fucking whatever it went to. And then I know from personal experience, I know a lot of people back home who are like, oh, well, I just don't listen to that kind of music anymore. What the, what the fuck kind of sense does that make? I don't listen to that kind of music anymore. So what do you listen to now? Like jazz or something or a new way? I mean, it, it doesn't, it, it, it dumbfounds me when someone can say, this was my favorite band when I was 18, 19, 20, into my 20s. But then when I turned 30 and I got married, uh, I, I, you know, I, I have to get old and stop, and stop going to shows. I think that people's lives stalled in their 30s. And then they got into marriage, kids, family, all yeah, that shit. Right. And, got bound, and, got, and got bound down by life. That later on, when you get in your 40s and you're older... And your kids are a little older, so you don't have to be with home with them. And you start going, shit, what can I do to make myself feel like I'm fucking 30 years younger again? You go to a fucking metal show. And, and I, I really think that's a, a lot of what's happening. And you're seeing, you're also seeing people who are bringing their kids to the shows too. But I think it's great. I mean, 
in reality, I really hope that we can get this to a level that maybe somewhere down the road we do like the next four kind of tour. Right which now, would, which you know, I would personally, I would say Overkill, Overkill and Death Angel and Testament would have to be in that next four. How are you going to leave Exodus? I was going to say, it would either be Exodus or Flotsam and Jetsam would have to be the next four. But like you said... I think what it should be, it should be Texas. Texodus? It should be Texodus. Because someone's texting them. Testament, Exodus, us, and then let Death Angel and Flotsam get in a cage match and fight it out. Well, I already know who's going to win that one. I would have to go no with... No offense, Death Angel guys. I don't know. <laughs> Flotsam guys are bigger. Well, and they well, don't take any shit. It's kind of like a barbarian. Yeah, well, like a Viking when he's got that beard going. And, you know, um, I don't know. Some, like... The bass player is pretty skinny, though. So, and now that... In Death, Death Angel. Angel? They, what's yeah. his name? Damien? Damien. Damien. And now, now that they He's got a... good shape, though. Yeah. So now, now you got to watch out for guys like that. Now that they know? got a couple Caucasians in the band, they might not be as tough. So, like... Yeah, there's a cred. The, the last time we talked to Will, we asked him, is, are, is your secret plan to replace everybody in Death Angel with white dudes is coming to fruition now. But I think they figured it out and it God stalled. God tried that a number of years ago, too. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to the Asian. The five-hole is Asian. He's got a whole cockamamie theory about the Asians planning listening devices and smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors. Yeah. <laughs> Have them go off in the middle of the night. It's possible. I would, I, I, I totally believe that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would totally believe that. So like, yeah. Fucking Asians. Oh, we're going to get them back for here. We'll <laughs> get you around, I. So... <laughs> Like, to go back to what you were saying about the shows and stop listening about, I can understand, like, when I got older, like, jumping in the pit and getting concussions and getting all fucked up, that didn't appeal to me anymore. But I still would have to go to the shows, and I just would stand in the back, like, you know, like yeah. a bump on the log, but I would yeah. still go. Like you said, it's one thing if you liked something when you were younger, and you're like, oh, why did I like that? But something you love, how could you just decide... Oh, that that was my favorite, but I don't like it anymore. I don't. Know, I, don't yeah. I mean, you might get a new favorite, but how do you abandon that? It's it, and it's and it's weird too. And I and I I'm guilty of part of this myself of of not stopping listening to bands, but stop stopping getting their new stuff because whatever I like the classic records or whatever the the excuse was. But when I'm guilty of it with with Flotsam, two bands that I played in, with Flotsam and with Overkill. There was a period of time where I don't own records that were in the middle of the catalog. I mean, the Overkill guys know this, the Flotsam guys did too. Because I was making a career with my own band. I was in Shadows Fall. I wasn't concerned with, I mean, if I got a new record, okay, I listened to it, but I didn't want to get too into that because concentrating on writing my own music and didn't want to be influenced by something else and bringing something to the table and someone goes, that sounds like an Overkill song. Shit, it's because I've been listening to that record. You know, so you kind of, like, there's, you know, a few records in, the, in their history that I had to go back and get later on. But, you know, it's just, as I said, you know, people's, Ideas change. They're they're you know they get sidetracked and. So did you when you had to go back and get some of these middle of the career overkill albums? Did you did you actually go buy them on like iTunes or did you hit Bobby or one of the guys up and say hey I need these albums to learn the songs? To be quite honest with you, there was only there was only three records. There was only three records I didn't have, and they, because they were the latest ones, okay. which is weird because they were the ones that really started helping Overkill build their career again. 
The ones I didn't have were the Electric Age, White Devil Armory, and Ironbound. And then when I got into the band on the grinding wheel, people still think that I was on the grinding wheel. I'm like, no, it's still Ron on the record, but I just joined when that album came out. So it's, you know, that was kind of like my first record because I did the whole tour cycle for it. Yeah. But, you know, those three, I, I just never heard because I was immersed in Shadowland, you know, for all those years. I think the last, the last one that I had bought uh, was Relics or Kill Box 13, whichever one was, was first I, or last. So, and that's where I see I kind but of. But that it, it was when I joined the band too. So Bobby was just like, "Oh, we got a package on the way." I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> Do your homework. When you come into a band and you're learning their beats or whatnot, um, do you listen to it and go, "I would do this differently"? While you're while you're learning, or you are you just eye on the prize? <sighs> that's learning. a it's a different answer for half of for two separate situations. For the old songs that I already grew up playing, you know, through my youth, they pretty much get played the way I learned them, which is on the album. You know, played note for anytime I join a band for the most part, my the bottom line is for me to pay respect to all the drummers who came before me and play their parts correctly and maybe add a little bit of my own spice here and there where I feel Ah, this could be livened up, or I would do this differently here, or whatever. So for the older songs, it's usually I stick to it just like it is. I might put a different fill in here. I might put a little double bass in here or something. Like, for example, Flotsam, when we played Hammerhead, I put a double bass in the in, in part of the intro that wasn't there before. Did a little bit more in Dreams of Death that wasn't there. With Overkill, I do some different stuff in Elimination. It, but it's not like crazy things that take away from the song. It's just like my own... These are things that when I was a kid, even, and this happened in, in Anthrax, there was one, oh Christ, what the hell, I think there's something in I Am The Law, and I always did like this thing, like when I was playing it, when it, as a kid, this like cool beat or something I thought should have been in there, and when I started playing the tune live with the band, I'm like, nah, I'm doing my little thing, you know, and I think even Scott even asked me about it one day, I was just like, oh, I don't know, for some reason, I, you know, when I was a kid, I used to put this little thing in there, and I just figured I'd do it live and if no one turned around at me and said don't do that then it was okay so that's pretty much the the, the way I, I do that but as far as like learning new songs like if I had to go you know and, and going to listen to stuff off those records that I mentioned White Devil Armory Electric Age and Ironbound since I didn't know those songs I would just uh, I'd listen to them I'd chart them out and then I would just pretty much play them the way Ron played them until they became, until I started becoming more comfortable with the songs and maybe changing up some fills here and there or maybe doing a little this or doing that. But Ron was a great drummer. So like his parts were really, really solid and really, you know, and really great drum parts. So they're really, I felt not really much of a need to have to embellish on anything. And, you know, not, th not that I ever feel like I need to have to go, oh, I have to do more, I have to do more. But if there's something that I feel that is my style, I'll try to do it. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes Dee Dee's like, ah, that thing that you're doing in that song, yeah, don't do that. <laughs> okay. You know? But for the most part, it just, it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to, to assimilate in. If, if you're coming into a, an established band, you just you can't just 
walk in there like, all right, my shit doesn't stink, and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want, and if you don't like it, tough shit. No, that's that, that's how you don't keep your job. <laughs> well, some, some guys, when they when they join a band, they start playing everything different, and the, and the diehard fans notice it. Because like, there's certain parts of a song mm-hmm. you have no choice. Like mm-hmm. There's certain a certain fill... Or a certain double bass run that if you don't do the fans are gonna be like, yep. oh fucking Bittner right. didn't play that yeah. shit. Fuck him. Can you imagine hearing Angel of Death and not hearing right. at the end? Right. What the fuck? Right. Which I, that actually did happen in 1986 when I saw the band play, because they had that. It was when Dave Dave left for that brief period in Rain and Blood before he came back for South of Heaven, and that guy they had filling in. I think it was the guy from oh, TJ whatever Scaglione or whatever the hell he was from Whiplash or whatever. I saw them with Wasp and Raven, and like, I was waiting for Angel of Death. Like, this is the tune, and they got to, and they went into uh, necrophiliac or necrophobic or whatever. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Where's the, where's the, where's the part? Right? <laughs> where's the part? You know? <laughs> so yeah, and there, there is that, and I know that with this camp because. The Overkill fans are fucking ruthless. They are they are they're diehards. They know the fucking songs, and that's exactly it. And I will get called out if I don't if I don't play the parts correctly. But knock on wood, there's been none of that. It's just been it's just been nothing but love from the fans, especially the Skull Crushers, which are a fan club over in Europe. They're all like, you know, you've brought so much to the band. It's great. You add little things in there here and there. It's fucking awesome. I'm like, all right, cool. So. It seems to be a, a thing that's working for the band and for the fans. So, well, not to fucking suck your dick in front of everybody or anything, but you Michael are, already did you, that. So. Right, you are the best. Fucking, <laughs> I was hungry. You're the best. You're the best drummer of, of, of today, hand, hands down, man. You're. I don't know about that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Dude, you're, but you're pretty legit. Don't yeah, sell yourself short. Yeah, I want to hear your rendition of Boats and Hose, man. That's what I want to hear. That's what's, what's that? Step Brothers. You ever see that movie? Boats and yeah. Hose. Boats yeah. and Hose. Yeah, I yeah. want to see you tear it up you in, get the down in the fucking Catalina wine, fucking mixer. wine mixer. But yeah, it's it's we're crazy. more of a Talladega Nights camp because basically, my tech and I we're shake and bake. That that is. Oh yeah, I saw right. that. Did That's you us. figure out which one's shake and which one's? No, we still don't know. I'm 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 just gonna say that I'm shake because I'm. I'm the drummer and he's the tech. We'll just yeah. call him Bake. <laughs> and, so and he's usually more Bake than I am. Right do, do you ever get like, do you ever have like some serious fucking gas and you just can't wait for him to tear your drum set down because you left him a fucking cloud on your stool? It's, it's, oh, it's excuse absolutely, me, thrown. it's absolutely hysterical that you mention that because last night, whatever I ate did not agree with me. I was just killing myself all day. Anytime, oh my God. That's horrendous when you can't even stand your own smell, you know? So we're waiting. We're literally, the intro's playing last night. And I go to climb up on the, I go to climb up on the rise and all of a sudden, and I just, I just grabbed him. I said, don't go there. It's going to smell so, and he's like, ah, he took my fan. He's like trying to move the fan to blow the, blow it out of the way. I'm like, this is going to sit like a fucking fog for at least the first song. You're not going to blow it away. So. It's like the boomerang. It goes around to everybody in the band and says oh, hi. And God, I, wish, I wish it did. I wish it did. Well, you know what? The worst... The, <laughs> I don't want to talk about this because this is funny. The absolute worst fart I've ever smelled in my entire fucking life occurred last month 
in in Europe. We had we had a number of now the European buses are set up where everything's downstairs and then you go upstairs to the bunk area. It's a you know a double decker kind of thing. It's not like one level like this. So we had a lot of overdrive. We had a long a lot of long drives on that tour. So we had two drivers <sighs> in the bus. Normally in a European bus, the driver's bunk is in the front area by his seat. He's not in the bus with the rest of the band and it's his own kind of compartment well since we had two one of these guys was up in one of the bunks this guy was all right let's say he wasn't he wasn't svelte let's say he wasn't slim like Dom. he, like he wasn't erected. slim like dom exactly <laughs> so i go i go upstairs it was one night after the show was over and i'm going upstairs to put my stage clothes away and shit and and Didi's wife was out with us, and she had just gone to bed. So she's in her bunk, and her bunk is across from mine was the top one, and she's in the lower one across the, the, the walkway. So I literally I put my, my dirty stage clothes in the front of the bus where we hang everything. I shut my bunk curtain, and now meanwhile, at the door in the bottom bunk is the other driver, and he's sleeping. He fucking let one out, dude. I literally closed my bunk curtain. I took three steps and I, my mouth was open. Well, I'm like, ah! And it went down my throat. It went down my throat. I almost puked in the in the middle of the bunk area. And then I went down the stairs and it was like the movie The Fog. It just came. It came and it turned the corner and it came right downstairs. Now everybody starts coming into the bus and the, and it's coming it's coming down right where the door is and you see everybody coming in going, "Oh! Oh! What the What the hell is? Oh my god!" And I'm like, "Fat ass upstairs. Driver, one by one, my tech animal goes <laughs> Grabs the grabs the air freshener he had in his bag. We're like spraying the whole front hallway. We're spraying everywhere else, and we're warning people as they're coming. We got to the point we have a, a female tour manager over there. She wouldn't even come in the bus, and I just kept sitting there and I'm going, "Oh my God, how is Lisa up there still in her bunk with that scent up there?" And the only thing I could think is it it went that way down the stairs and it didn't go towards where she was in the bunk, because I'm like, I know if I was sleeping in my bunk, I would have escaped and ran off the bus. It was by far the worst fart I've ever smelled in my fucking life. That's pretty bad. Yep. For a second, I thought you were going to say it was Dee Dee's wife when you brought her <laughs> into the story. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I was like... Only you. Of course. I mean, oh, man, that, that is the worst when you walk that into one. That probably would have made the story funnier, right? Yeah, it was definitely not, definitely not her. You ever, been, you ever been playing during a gig, man, and fucking... Let a trust fart go, and you let it go a little too far, and had to fucking pull, oh, there's pull been, back there's in. There's been this. quite a few times where I was like, "Oh, was that a shark?" Unfortunately, it's never happened. Kick shit. You're not sure it's because it feels warm and moist, but you're also up there sweating your ass off. Right. So you're like, I actually almost thought last night that it was a shark. Like when that I was as I the one I just told you about. I was like, "Oh shit! I just shit myself before I got on stage." <laughs> man, this is gonna be a long ninety minutes, man. Right. The best one was when fucking Eric Eric Wagner, fucking Doompa, fucking was telling his story about the gig shits, and he said he got it so bad they were playing in Chicago. They had trouble hadn't played in Chicago for so long. He's like, and everybody was there. It was packed. All their friends were there. And he got it so bad, he had to go shit in a fucking box on the side of the stage and fucking start singing yeah, while he was taking it. Like during, the gig, during the guitar, guitar solo. And it came oh back. And God. <laughs> oh, and he ain't small. He ain't skinny anymore. So that poor box had to be full. 
fucking do fuck. <laughs> so you want to touch on um, the new record? Oh, we're actually going to talk about music? Yeah. 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 I was just about to say, oh, we're gonna, don't, we, start, we started off. And you know, I'll come, it'll be Mike full circle before you know it. <laughs> the new album? Yeah. It's great, isn't it? It's fucking I love random. it. <laughs> From what I've heard. Where can we get it? Tell everybody where to buy it and like your website, buy some merchandise, check out tour dates and yeah. all that shit. Where's yeah. that? www.wreckingcrew.com. You can find all the tour dates, gear, shirts, merch, all that shit. You can even I set up... JSR Direct, too. I think that's the company that we use. Yeah. You could even set up a... Um, a drum lesson the with, table with tonight. Jason tonight. Well, for all the people that aren't here. Yeah. Hey, what about the hockey? What about the hockey merch, man? With the overkill hockey Puck merch. Stuff, yeah. How did that come about? Let's indeedy work that out. Like a couple of years ago, because we we met those guys for the first time in in Detroit two years ago when we came through on the Metal Alliance tour, Metal Allegiance tour, Metal Alliance, whatever the hell the name was. I always confuse the name of the tour with the band, <laughs> Metal Alliance. Um, and they were just doing that stuff. It, it looks cool. I just saw the, all the new stuff they just put up, too. I was like, all right, somebody needs some new stage gear. Yeah. Coming to Detroit. <laughs> so <laughs> Mediums and large, please. Are you guys big hockey fans, or you just wanted the gear? Blitz is a huge hockey fan. I I used to be a hockey fan, too, when I was a kid. I mean, I still watch it periodically, but I don't follow it. Blitz is a diehard. He goes to the Devils games all the time and everything. Well, I saw Devils and Ranger jersey kind of mm-hmm. logo so mm-hmm. I was wondering which team you guys followed more I think they're they're Devils Devils guys okay. always got to be down with the devil but the new record I I I can't say enough of, of, about it I'm I'm pretty pretty happy with, with with what we what we came up with I mean it was uh I was a little skeptical on how it was all going to go about once we started writing because obviously, you know, first record in with a new band, you know, everything's going to be different. It's not like, you know, where you came from or what you were used to with a different band. Everybody works differently. But it really was was fairly painless. I mean, all it, all it, all it really was was, you know, Dee Dee sent me and Dave demos and I would start coming up with, with drum parts based on, you know, just the tippy-tappy drum machine hmm. stuff he would tap out. You know, here's an idea. You know, here's the idea of the feel of what we're thinking, you know, what I'm thinking and you know, go for it, and it just every everything that I kept coming up with and sending over was just getting replies. Sounds great, keep it coming, keep it coming. Sounds great, keep it coming. It was never any no, that's too much there, or no, don't do that there. But it was just you know, it was it was very organic and very easy. I thought. How did you manage the responsibility of keeping your sound? Because like we said before, you're a bad motherfucker on the drums, man. But also sounding like overkill man and, and i know you didn't go in there and dumb it down but it's it sounds like you but it still sounds like overkill there's the a couple time. factors for that um the first one is i i know i know from being a fan how their how their music's gonna sound and what where the drums lie in that there's always the moments and like dd tells me all the time he's like i don't care what happens on the transitions but it's, you gotta just be cognizant of what happens when blitz is singing don't be doing stuff that's going to take away from whatever let's you know just so we concentrate on the vocal, which is what I would do in any band. Because you don't want to be playing over the singer when he's trying to sing a chorus and you're fucking, look at me, I can play fucking double bass, I can play on time, who fucking cares? My, the job the job of a drummer is to fucking keep the time. That's that's my job. Is, Remember that. Is to keep everybody in line and to keep, keep the troops in a row and keep the ship moving forward. 
when there's a time and place for things, then you put it in. So when once we got we did another a week of pre-production too after we had already did the you know trading tapes demos kind of stuff. Dave came up for a week out of Florida. I went down from New York to Jersey and we spent a week at Dee's just doing pre-production. And just you know we take two songs a day, pick them apart, try different tempos try different feels and then you know we would concentrate on those two songs and get them them solid every day two songs one day two songs the next day by the end of the week we had the 10 songs for the record demoed and then we had some other touring to do last summer or last spring so we were able to sit on the demos for like a month and really listen to what we did before we went in to start tracking the drums to make sure this is exactly how what we wanted so by the time we got in, I don't really think we made any changes at all. Um, and for the most part, everything that I played on the record is what I was playing on the demos, except for uh, Where Few Dare to Walk. Because yeah, I mean, other than the drums, it's a great album, for real. It's got a new sound to it. I'm just kidding. Other than you mean because of the drums. In in that's what of, you meant I, to say. <laughs> we, but the other, the other aspect, the other, the other, the other aspect to that, too, is because Zeus produced it, and Zeus mixed it, or uh, not produced. He Zeus mixed it, right on. and Zeus did all of my records with Shadows Fall except for one. So he knows how I want the drums to sound. So that's a big part of my playing style is the sound as well. So having my longtime engineer at the helm doing all the mixing, that put me at ease. The moment that Dee Dee said, "Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna go with Zeus for this record," I was like. I just I knew that everything would be everything would be fine. All kidding aside, like Jeff said, you are an amazing, incredible musician, a phenomenal drummer, and it, you know we've all been fans of Overkill since. I mean, for me, I came in like the late '80s. These guys probably a little younger, but for the first time in '86, and like your precision and. It just you're so concise and so precision. It's like a machine, but it it like he said it definitely sounds like Overkill, but it also sounds like Jason Bittner. It like and, gives gives more credibility to it. Yeah, when you hear it. Um, I mean that's from that's that's literally that's the biggest thing that I've always prided myself on is my consistency. I may not be the fastest guy out there. I may not be the most complex guy out there, but I night after night, you know what you're going to get. It's going to be like a drum machine or as close as possible to that, and that's. One of the things that I, I took from being a huge Rush fan and having Neil Peart be my favorite drummer, that's where I got that from. It's like, I want that consistency every single night. I want it to sound like the record. I don't want, you know, within parameters. I don't want it to be like, oh, well, one night he's playing everything 20 BPMs too fast. Oh, then the next night he's playing it too slow. Fuck that. You know, that's why every single night, the metronome is right next to me. I have all the whole sets right right in an app and every single night on the songs that I count off. All right, good to go. I'm not playing to the click during the during the song, but I use it for an, an intro just to give me the right tempo so we're on the same page every single night. Being a fan of the band before you joined, um, did you notice that this definitely has a new feel to it for an overkill record, but it has an old school feel to it as well? Yep. I, hear, I hear a lot of horoscope in that record yes especially like in like distortion yeah for example um was that something that just kind of came out i think there was a few few factors with it i think number one i know i influenced dd's writing a little bit 
Um, and I'm not saying that patting myself on the back. I'm saying that because he told me that. Well, we, we, that's the, the benefit of us having a year of touring under our belt before we got in a room to make music together, which I think that was a really good thing because in that amount of time, because he even told me, he goes, I, I've become more familiar with your style. I know what you can do. I know the things you do. I know these, you know, so it opens my mind if I, if I go, oh, I wonder if my drummer can do this. I know you can do this, so that I'll... I'll put this in. He said to me when we were when he was doing the demos, he goes, "There's going to be a lot of room for drums on this record." I'm like, "Sweet, that's what I want to hear." You know, not to make it a drum clinic album, but enough to, you know, your first album with someone, you kind of want to state Get your case. Voice. Yeah, you know, with without it being like your thumbprint to it. Right, exactly, exactly. But then he said too, he's like, you know, I have a really good feeling about this record. He goes, "This feel, it just feels to me like this is the same kind of feeling I had." when we did Horoscope and we, when we did From the Underground Below I'm like well that's great because those are two of my favorite records yeah absolutely it was a good mix of the new and old what's your favorite track on the new one that you had him put in Last Man Standing is a great one there's a there's a lot of them that I really like I like Distortion a lot because I, 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 I just like that song the whole band really likes that song oh fuck we, speaking of we forgot to figure out what the fuck one we were doing tonight god damn it Alright, uh, uh, Believe in the Fight is another another great one. And I like On the Roadkill. That one's, that song, I, I love the drums in that one. And I think because that's a drum-heavy song, and that's why I like that one a lot. Last Man Standing is like your boast-off moment, you know, like on Divine Intervention when that first track kicks off yeah. with the new drummer. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's like your... Your yep. moment on the wings of war, and it's just yep. fucking badass. You know, right? Oh, this is gonna kick me right in the face when it, when this yeah. thing gets going. Yeah, yeah. That's the first one I tracked too. You know, we we got to the studio, and the first day we weren't even sure. So that was the thing too. It's like, you know, because I always get nervous when I make a record, and I was all wound up before you know we made this record. And my wife was like, you know, just relax. She goes, I don't think these guys even realize what you're capable of in the studio. Right. And I'm like. They don't because we haven't got there yet. You know, we haven't been in that environment yet. So the first day we, we you know, we just went and got drum tones and stuff, and we weren't even sure if we were going to do any tracking that day. It was just like, let's get in, let's get tones, let's make sure everything is perfect, and then if we have to start the next day, we start the next day. Well, we loaded in the studio at 10. By 4 o'clock we were done getting tones. What do you want to do? Fuck it start tracking let's take a dinner break and then let's come back and start hitting it alright come back take a dinner break come back I warm up for like 20 minutes DD's like alright what do you want to start with I go start with the opener he goes you want to start with the fucking opener I go yeah are you crazy no you don't know me yet in the studio the hard ones are the ones I do first get it out of the fucking way you know, I want to take the challenge. Like, put me at the top of the mountain. I'm going to fucking go right there. And that, I, The Last Man Standing was the first song I did. Three takes done. Amazing. I, so I ended up doing two songs that first day when we didn't even think we were going to do anything. So I I, fin I ended up, I tracked the whole record in three and a half days, and then we took another half day to mix. So we had five days in the studio, and I used four. But I even told him, I said, I'm... Because I said, well, what, what do you, what's the pace that you, you guys usually do? He's like, ah, oh, we usually do like maybe like three songs a day. I go, I can do more, dude. He's like, well, we don't have to. Though. We have a week, week for drums. I'm like, I don't need a week for drums. And it wasn't, once again, it's not a, right. pat me and myself on the back. I don't need, I don't need a fucking week for drums. I'm just telling him like, 
I don't need a week. I, I, I did the Art of Balance Shadows Fall record in two fucking days. Right. I did seven songs in one day and three the next. It was done in two goddamn days. War Within, three days. The only the only Shadows Fall record that ever went past three days was uh, Threads of Life. And that's because the big budget, we were out doing that in Dave Grohl's studio and Nick Raskolanis was, was, was producing. And he was like, no, nah, we're going to do like two or three songs a day. I'm like, why do you guys want to do this slow bullshit stuff? You know, like, I, I get it if you got a drummer that fucking can't play and you can only get two songs right. done a day. But it's like, all right, I'm willing to do more if you want to. I don't, to, to me, it just seems like a waste of money. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you got to pay for the studio. But, but yeah, that's that's how that came about. Excellent. Yeah, see what happens. You go in prepared and... Sometimes bands aren't, or bands and producers, mixers aren't used to that. And like you said, you're not patting yourself yeah, but, on the back. Yeah, but you know now what's going to happen now? Probably the next record. Like, like, oh, you got two days to do the drums. Like, oh, God damn it. <laughs> well, it's, oh, you, Mr. Big, I could do three songs in one day, more than that. <laughs> well, I think it's also a combination of you being prepared and your immense talent. All kidding aside. Yeah, no, yeah, yes. I mean, there. I've been doing this for so long, I really hope that I can be able to expedite the process and not just be sitting there, you know, clanking away. It's like, oh, shit, I can't get this fill or I can't do this, you know. There's always something on every record that's going to stick me for whatever. Like, there's always that one song that's like, ah, I don't have something for this or whatever. This might take a little bit more time. Like I said, Where Few Dare to Walk, that was the song that we took a little bit with the actual drum tracking because it was just something that, even in pre-production, like, like that whole Tom thing, you know, dun 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 dun. dun. It, that song to me reminded me of like a, a Metallica Black era kind of feel, like a Sabbath True kind of thing. So that was, I was kind of like sort of trying to tap into my inner Lars for that one. And I know people will be like, well, I'm, I'm, I know people <laughs> will talk shit, but I'll I'll never talk shit about Lars Ulrich. Look, the guy's not the most talented drummer at this point in the game with people, but he was the guy that started it for everybody. Yeah, he, uh, the, my, the first fast double bass song I, I ever learned to play was Fight Fire with Fire because Metallica I heard them before I heard Anthrax and I heard Slayer but then after I heard Dave and Charlie I was like bye Lars and <laughs> speaking of Charlie the best the, kick in the business the guy just tell you. the guy just every album and tour somehow he it's he blows your mind even Charlie? more than yeah. the last time yes, yeah he's a son of a bitch he doesn't even practice either which yeah. kills me uh, and it's just every time it's guitar. like that's all he does yeah. I play guitar I play drums I just start playing drums like a week before the tour I hate you <laughs> and you know like you said all the people that bash Lars if it wasn't for Lars a lot of us would have started playing trying to emulate later and yep. before we made it our own yeah. and stuff and like you know and not only that I'm going to tell you one thing too I've been saying I want to make shirts for the longest fucking time it says Lars was right because Everybody shit talked about the whole Napster thing, it was and, absolutely was. and he was right. It, it was, was just the way he did it. He killed the music business. He should have been did. like, "Hey, I'm looking out for the the small guys. We made our money." He, you know, but he, he made it sound like it was about him, which of course it was. Right. And the bands, like, you know, but he, you know, it's like you're right. You're still, stealing. But twenty years later, he was right. He was, he was absolutely, absolutely right. 
And you know what? We're all guilty of sharing stuff with each other, too. It's not like it used to be, though. When, yeah, when we not. were doing it, we were making tapes and fucking going, check this out. Yeah. And we were trading we, and getting we, shit back. Right, but, but you, you would bought always it too. go buy it. That's I the needed thing. to have something that's, in my hand. That's the thing. We would always go buy it yes. after you yeah. borrowed it off someone. And we, when we were all kids, too, if four records came out the first week, you couldn't afford no. to buy them all. So no. one of your friends bought one. I'll buy this one. You buy that one. We'll trade. And then for Christmas, I can get those other two tapes. Right. But I can at least be listening to it for the next three months. Yep. Exactly. Uh, I think he gets a bad rep, too, because he kind of promotes the fact that he doesn't really practice and he does, and he's into other things, which is cool. But I, I think a lot of the, the flack he catches, he gets from him. And plus, he gets, he does some it of it is also the tone of his voice and the way he talks. Because he, he's... Because he's, he's Danish? Well, I mean, he sounds a little different. He almost kind of sounds like... King Diamond. Yeah, but he sounds a little... Like, even when he's not... He said Danish. I'm just saying that I, it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah. He sounds a little, almost a little pompous when he says, I don't practice. But he's just being matter of fact, and people take it the wrong way. It's like, you know what? Like you said, they, I could say whatever. He's not the same as he was before. But when he was, he was... He was. It's just almost the same thing with, you might agree with this, you might not. Back in the day, before all the metal, it's like John Bonham. But now you hear everybody can almost play like that. You're not going to get it exact. You're not going to have that feel and that soul. But how many drum, How many drummers Nobody do Nobody can play like yeah, fucking but John Bonham. Can you Bonham. play John Bonham? Most drummers will start out, they'll play John Bonham songs. Whether They're, they're not going to be as good as him, but... There's like there's guys that are technicians like yeah. you and like uh, Chris Adler and you, you know that take take and grow and grow that they, they took from from Lars and Lars took it from the guys who took it from yeah. him yeah. and they just keep making it yeah nobody's gonna be Bonham nobody's gonna be Lars and then in like a couple of decades nobody's gonna be Jason Bittner nobody's gonna be Chris Adler nobody's gonna be the guys that are now. That yeah, because you guys, because guys need to grow and guys need to be their own players. They can't be guys that are replicated. I mean, if this was me twenty-five years ago, I just wanted to be Dave Lombardo and Charlie Benante. Uh, but I don't want to be those guys now. I want to be my own player. I mean, I'm thankful for all the years of influence and everything, and I still get influence from them. But it's like I don't want to be that guy anymore. I want to be my own drummer. But you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Bonham, and I'm just gonna st- stick up for that because yeah, I mean. I've done Bonzo Bash now three years, and all of us get up there and we play Led Zeppelin songs. But when I go up there and I play <clears throat> Black Dog, yeah, I play the song right, but it's not the same way as yeah, John, there's, there's, John Bonham was to sit down on that kit. The only person I'm going to... There's two people I'm going to say that can replicate that well. Brian Tishy is one of them oh. because the Bonzo Bash is his thing, yeah. and he's king at that. And I've known Brian since 88 when we went to Berkeley together. Brian can do it, and his kid can do it. Yeah. But even Jason's not... Jason's more of Jason's, a technician. Yeah, he is. And, yeah, I agree with Brian. He's like he's a guy that a lot of people don't know about that's an incredible rock drummer. Yeah, and, and he's played with numerous fucking famous people. Yeah, and I wasn't... Like, I wasn't knocking Bonham because no, he's know, one of... No, I know you were I know you were I know But you I was just saying, like, people... People think it's simple, though. They yeah. hear that, they hear Cashmere, and they go... Oh, that's easy. I could play that beat. Not the way he not played it. Right you can not play it exactly, it. and it's not, not the same. Not with that feel, not with that sound. You not know, with it's, the swing. Yeah, it's, it's subtle swing too. Yes. It's yeah. like in like 
like I love Alex Van Halen. People think Van, so Van Halen. It's just simple. He's there's a there's a swing replicate. and a style to it and like, a sound. Yeah, and you soon soon as you hear that snare, you know it's Alex Van Halen. Van Halen is just it's he's a, just like a John Bonham. Once you hear him play, you know it's him. Nico's another one. Yeah, absolutely. You hear you hear those drums. You're like, ah, that's Nico McBrain. Mm-hmm. I, I I can I can tell that already. This is like a guitarist, man. They they can be playing the same notes, but if they're not holding the pick a certain way, yep. the same way it's in your wrist and your hands, yep. you're not going to get the same vibe across. Absolutely. Listen to Derek and Dave on stage. They're playing the same riff, but if I have them both in my ear, both of my ears, they don't sound the same. Tone, different picking styles, stuff like that. Just playing, both playing the same thing correctly together, but it's still two different guys. You're not going to have anybody who's going to play it the same and it's le- unless you can clone a guy and right. put him on the other side of the stage. Oh, yeah. And it's like now all these kids are playing on YouTube and they're playing like and they're fucking playing like amazing but there's not much feel. They're just like they just it's learn. It's all about speed. It's it's a, how, how fast can I go and how quick yeah, can I do like, it? It's like you can get a recipe for something and make it and it's not going to be awful but it's not going to be like a chef or someone who could actually has it in them that they can cook. It's like something's missing, you know. But yeah, it's like it's it's good to see that kids are actually playing music again Absolutely. instead of just playing like the the rock Their star game. Nintendo fucking Wii or whatever the fuck that thing is they yeah. got now. What is that fucking Switch? Switch, yeah, yeah, yeah. I only know because I have one of everything in my fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he tries to entice the kids to come into the. The white, the white, um, the white van with, yeah. <laughs> with no signs. I, I do. I it says ice cream. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the dope window red yeah. van. Yeah. Listen, I, I'm the not giant white cargo van, van with yeah. no windows. Well, I'm not windows. getting in the van again until I get the candy. It has hand painted ice you, cream. Are you being one of those big old fat girls? She no, no. The line is. She a great big fat person. She's a big old fat person. <laughs> Can you help me with? The, are you like a size? Are you like a size fourteen? You're like, you're like a size fourteen. You better not hurt my fucking dog. <laughs> yeah, I don't get in the van anymore till the candy's already in my <laughs> oh, hand. Fuck. Yeah, I learned after like the fifth time, but that's just me because oh, I'm a quick learner. Good. So we should probably wrap this up so you can get to your pre-show dump. I do. I shit at six thirty. I do want to say this before. Oh yeah, you gotta show him that while I, I he's am. still talking. Listen, we we've busted balls throughout the years about picking up trannies pre-op, post-op, and all this fucking shit. And Mikey T has been involved in this conversation before. He might have started it. He, I believe he did. I think he did. But here is the peace offering. So no one can ever give you shit about it anymore. Mikey T bangs the most trannies. Right there. <laughs> you can oh, even zoom in on, on the eyes. Where the fuck did you get this? He posted that. <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So we are good. Oh my god. This is this is a, this is uh this is a quick text to all the Shab boys that goes, how the hell do we ever let this homo play in our oh, I'll, I'll send it to you so you don't have to screen. Send me the real, yeah, send me that. That's, that's a, wow. Hold on, let me find it. Wow. That is great. <laughs> that is fucking, you, we should have recorded that look on this. I, I almost oh ruined my the, God. I almost like, ruined the phone. I spit out, I had fucking a sip of water in my mouth that went all over the place. What, what was my reply when you sent it? What a fag. <laughs> I said, I can't lie. I can't lie. There's probably gayer pictures of me out there. I don't know, man. 
Not with the bass like that, but yeah. Hold on, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> let me find that shit. My cousin texted me. I need your address. I just want to write back to her. Why? Cricket. Fill the space. Oh, no, I love I I live for awkward silence. Now now I'm now I'm returning Mark's text message to me. Send me that. Okay, let's, let's close this one up here. So all, from all of us here at Maximum Threshold Radio and In the Pit Radio, we thank you very much for taking this opportunity. Oh, don't put that part in there, though. Oh, I'll cut that. Uh, I got that, though. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> he's he's, he's going to tell you he'll do it. He, he, won't, he doesn't fucking edit a goddamn <laughs> It's really that big of a deal. What, we, we had, what the fuck did we have on that one night when he said, I don't want to give the promo IDs on the, on the air. And he's fucking kicking me under the table. I go, you're good, dude. We're off the air. And he fucking goes on. And then everybody in the band's blowing up the phone going, this is hilarious. Keep it fucking going. And fucking Captain oh Dumb Dick does so no weird. editing. Well, it was live. You know? It's not live. That's, not, that's the only response I have to this, too, is that he's so queer. That is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, buy it from yeah. the website. Buy it from the band. come to see him, because then they'll make more than, like, the 12 cents that iTunes gives them. And then uh, just buy a period. As long as you buy it, that's what matters. Yeah. And you will not be disappointed with Jason's debut in Overkill. No way. Thank you. Because we bust balls because we go way back with with Bittner, but he truly is a Man. great musician and one of a kind in the music business. Thank you. Uh, and we. I don't even know what to say to him right now. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. And we go half and <laughs> half on trannies. <laughs> half and half. <laughs> He takes the bottom half. I take the falsies. <laughs> He's getting excited. Smasher's getting excited. Dom's like, like, I want I was, the bottom half. I was, I was picturing it. <laughs> he was. Now, you know, Jason was my first interview ever, and I didn't know what to say. I was so his first. I was asking him about trainees. He popped your cherry. He did. I was asking about trannies and what the pooping on the tour bus etiquette is. And, you know. You don't. Yeah, you, you ask, I ask him, who was the first, who would who would be the band and most likely to bang a tranny? And in this room, I would have to go with Dom. Yeah. Thank you. Fucking Dom wouldn't even deny <laughs> I'm it. I'm not picky. You gotta go with Dom. I get you gotta go with Dom. A whole of every, the whole. every answer is Dom. I think you told us that you... You had to take a dump in a bag and threw it out the window. Hot box it out. Uh, yeah. No, that I didn't do that. That yeah. that is a that is a uh, that is a, a thing. That's uh, <laughs> Schmear from Destruction calls that the bag of shame. Who's the one who threw it out the window? Don't ever have to make a bag of shame. Yeah, I've I, heard about that I one. I thought you had to. No, somebody my rinsed, story. The, rinsed the bus behind you guys or the truck behind. I don't you. know. That wasn't that wasn't with me. My story with the with the shitting was out of out of twenty years of being in a tour bus, I had to hot bag it one fucking time, and I was two fucking miles from yes, my house. Yes, you're, you're right, right, almost. You're fucking come. kidding me! <laughs> like I'm like literally, I'm like a half a mile away from my house. I'm like, it's, I'm gonna shit my fucking pants right now. <laughs> fucking went in the bathroom, put the bag in there, did my business. Fucking walked off the bus and threw it right into my garbage can. Now, th- I've heard variations where you use like an empty 12 pack with, with bags in it too. If, if you can't go in the bathroom, so there's a someone new was just Mikey just writes back ha 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 
<laughs> He's gonna know who you're talking to. Right no, I already told him who I was talking to. Just get all in there. Squeeze in there, Jeff. <laughs> and like I said, I told him, I said, dude, there's, I'm sure there's more damaging pictures of me out After there. After you called him a fan. Yeah, right. <laughs> Ed writes, then there's that. <laughs> John writes back, ha ha ha, Matt writes, yikes. <laughs> meanwhile, he's home with his wife and kids and there's five of us sweating in the back of the bus. Yeah, right, absolutely. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. His feet are up, he's watching TV. Fuck you assholes yep. doing? Exactly. Uh, sitting with a winter hat on in a fucking 75 degree bus like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thank you, Jason. Looking forward